You're listening to the Carterville Church Life Podcast. I love our church family, and I hope that you do too. Our goal is that the episodes of this podcast would keep us connected and focused while we're scattered for our week on missions together. I hope that you're blessed by what you hear today. Hey, church family. Welcome back to the podcast after a little break. I'm so glad to have you tuned in. And today we're having a conversation with one of our new employees, Brie Fennell. Hey, Brie, how are you? Hey, I'm good. How are you, Ben? Uh, Fantastic. So Brie has uh, joined our staff in a full-time capacity as an administrative assistant. She works with me. She does a lot of our communication and publicity. She's been a blessing to our church so far. We're really glad to have you. But Bree's uh, presence on the podcast today is that she's going to help follow up with a topic that has resonated with lots of our church family. So um, a little over a week ago, I preached about assurance of salvation. We're preaching through the God, through the letter of First John, and I preached a sermon about being sure that we're saved. About John writing uh, in his letter assurances of salvation, so that the believers in that fractured church could know where they stand with the Lord and begin healing and begin healing with each other. Well, lots of people in our church um, have said, hey, that sermon really spoke to me. That's something that I've dealt with a lot. And Bree is one of those people. And so Bree and I just wanted to have a conversation to share some of how God used 1 John in her life already. So Bree, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Let's take just a second to introduce yourself, just a little bit of background. So you are a Christian person. Uh, who at some point began to wrestle with assurance of salvation. Would you just set that up for us? Yeah, for sure. So I grew up in a Christian family. My dad was the worship pastor at First Baptist Ellisville um, for all of my life. And so I've been a minister's kid my entire life. Um, So, I mean, we were the family that was there when the doors opened. And until the doors closed, we were there. Um, And so I grew up with the mindset of, you know, pursuing goodness, doing the right thing, Um, even like singing and worshiping our God. um, That was just a priority for our family and for my life before I was even a believer. But it was because of the pattern that my parents had set before us. And so whenever I was eight years old, I was convicted of my sin and I recognized the destruction that it brought for me, the destruction that it brought for the people around me. Um, And I recognized that that destruction deserved punishment, and yet Christ stood in my place and took that punishment if I accepted His gift of salvation and His grace. Um, And so whenever I was eight, I accepted that gift, and I began to walk in life in Him. But at that point, remember I told you, you know, I I had all of the marks of a, a Christian outwardly, because my parents had taught me how to walk like a good person, how to walk like a, mm-hmm. a Christian in worldly terms. Um, and so the life change that happened internally was kind of hard to gauge. Right. That makes sense. And so for me, that was a hard transition because honestly, at that point, everybody was like, oh, wow, I didn't realize that she wasn't a Christian already. Um, and so it became a hard point even then of, wow, how do I measure death into life? Because I know for me the internal change, but it's it's hard to measure that. And so I continued to walk through life um, from eight until about 18, where I would um, walk with the Lord 
throughout the day, not perfectly, of course, but I sought the Lord and sought to honor the Lord with my life. Um, But I got to 18, and that was whenever I went to college at William Carey University. And I began to wrestle with the question, okay, but is this truly what you believe? Do you believe that God's way is better? Or did you just jump on the bandwagon that your parents set before you? Did you did you mean that when you were eight years old? Right. right. Exactly. And so that was the question. I, was, I started to think, okay, well, what words did I say? Did I actually say, God, take control of my life? Or did I just say, you know, I don't want to go to hell. Just get me out of there and I'll do whatever you want if you get me out of hell. Like, did I have the right mindset whenever I accepted Christ? And so I started to overthink everything. Every little thought was, oh my goodness, maybe, maybe I'm not saved. Maybe I just was trying, you know, trying to get that get out of hell free card. Um, maybe I wasn't truly wanting to live the life that God had for me, but instead I just wanted his blessings instead of the curses that my sin brought. And so I wrestled with that and I wrestled with that. And particularly that first year of college was super hard because I'm in mist. I was doing ministry. I was in intercultural studies and we were doing biblical hermeneutics. So we were doing all of these Bible classes and I just felt paralyzed because I felt like I was in a place of, you know, I know how to talk the talk, but I don't even know if I'm walking the walk. Like in the sense of, I don't know if I have given my life to Christ and if He truly is Savior. And I'm like, how can I, as this ministry kid, how how can I be in this position and lead other people whenever I... I am so concerned that I didn't say the right words. Yeah. So clarification on something you said. You never doubted that Christ was Savior, that Christ was the Lord. You doubted whether or not you had really properly prayed or that you meant your decision well enough. So you never doubted that Jesus was Lord and Savior. You doubted whether He had saved you had you done your part correctly. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. I I felt like I had maybe messed something up along the way. And that although he was Savior and Lord, I had not properly said, hey, Jesus, I want you to be my Savior and my Lord. So like, what did that look like for you? Were you like, were you thinking back to your prayer? Because it sounds almost like you were thinking back to your prayer to say, did I pray the right thing? You know, did I say the right words? Absolutely. Yeah. And honestly, I think that's where I went wrong. Because I was trying to pinpoint something that I had done whenever salvation is something that the Lord does in us. He, he does, he initiates salvation and like scripture is clear that he continues that salvation in us until it's complete. Yeah. And so for me, I had gotten into this mindset, kind of like the church at Galatia, where we see um, Paul is calling him out like, hey, your salvation was started in faith. Why are you now trying to work for it? Yeah, the Spirit and started this. Why are you trying to finish it in the flesh? Yeah. Exactly. And so I realized in that time that I was trying to find a time and a place and the exact words that I used to make sure that I was found in Christ. And Christ was just trying to say, hey, like I have bought you with a price. Walk with me through life. Like live life 
knowing that I've done that for you. Yeah, I think about, and I want to, you, you have some Bible verses that you want to share from First John, and we want to hear them. But one of the things that I, I think could be encouraging to people is if we think about um, what we say or do on the day that we, on the day of our salvation. So for example, I've grown up in a culture, and I love this, by the way, I'm not against it. I've grown up in a culture where somebody makes a decision and they typically express that decision to the Lord in what we've nicknamed the sinner's prayer or a salvation prayer, you know, where they pray something like, you know, Heavenly Father, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I'm I'm aware of my sin. I know that Jesus died to save me. And I want to ask today for his forgiveness. Today I make Christ Jesus my Lord, you know, um, in in Jesus' name. Amen. Right. Something something like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, you you can fill in lots of different words. And I find that people look back like you and say, wait a minute, did I say Savior and Lord? Uh, did I say <laughs> forgive me for my sins? What if I forgot to say? It's almost like we imagine that God is a bad lawyer and he's looking for a loophole. You know, <laughs> yeah. did you say it correctly? Oh, you forgot this phrase. But you know what's a little comforting to me? While I love this concept of sinner's prayer, and I think it's very valuable, it's useful, I still use it, I'm not going to abandon it. It's also not necessary biblically. Like, hold mm-hmm. on, wait a minute, let me be clear. What is necessary biblically is that we have to make a conscious decision that Christ is Lord. Yeah. What's necessary biblically is that we have to confess our faith in Jesus. We have, to, we have to be willing to declare that Christ is Savior and King. And typically, uh, I think the most biblical expression of that is our own baptism. We have to be baptized to declare that we've turned from our sins and turned to Jesus, right? But what's interesting to me is that in the New Testament pattern, uh, we have a decision and a declaration with baptism, you know. And it's interesting that so many people in our culture look back to the day they prayed their sinner's prayer, the day they made their decision, and they are wrestling over the words of that prayer. Mm-hmm. Did I say this phrase? Did I include that line? When the best that I can observe biblically what's what's expected is a clear decision, a declaration that Jesus is Lord, and your baptism to show that to the world. Does that make sense? Yeah. And it's sure. funny that we're paralyzed with something that is really a very helpful, very useful, but an addition to what is required biblically to mark the day of our salvation, the day of our conversion. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. But don't misunderstand. I do believe that in one, that in a day, in an instant, in a moment, a person moves from death to life when they decide that Christ Jesus is their Lord. And mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's very valuable to make that moment concrete with a declaration, with a decision, even with the sinner's prayer. And ultimately, that's the function of baptism, to make mm-hmm. that declaration very, very concrete. But I just think it's interesting that as we struggle and wrestle with our salvation, when we go back to that memory of our sinner's prayer, that sometimes we focus on, did I pray it correctly? Mm-hmm. And I want to look up and go, well, hold on, hold on. It's not so much that you prayed that prayer correctly. Did you make your decision? Did mm-hmm. you intentionally decide Christ was Lord? Hey, Bree, I'm looking at the clock, and I think it'd be great for us to have a second podcast episode. If you'll hang around a minute, uh, we'll talk a little bit about how the Lord used the letter of 1 John to minister to you while you were wrestling with your salvation. Can you do that? For sure. Sounds good. Awesome. Awesome.